0: Uh, We are going to be looking today at Luke chapter 7, and um, at a story which is sort of one of the uh, sort of favorite stories found in the Gospels. Uh, A lot of people would point to this as uh, maybe their top 10 favorite stories, and so as we jump in, let's just again invite God's presence to work in our hearts. Uh, God, we thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you speak, and that you speak into our lives. And it doesn't matter if uh, someone calls himself a Christian or not, God, you speak. And so we want to open our hearts just to acknowledge, God, that we want to hear you today. God, maybe you want to use my words, maybe you don't want to use my words, maybe you just want to speak directly, uh, whatever, that's okay. God, we just want to hear from you, we want to be touched by you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The story in, uh, found in Luke chapter 7 uh, is a story which reminds us of uh, a lot of uh, things that we need to be reminded of. It reminds us of uh, the incredible, amazing grace and love of God, it reminds us of the, that we need to be careful about how we see others in terms of judging other people, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It also reminds us of where we get our, our strength to increase our love for each other, because this text has that famous line in it where it says, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And of course, uh, we can do Ignatian contemplation, as it's called to one of this, these texts, where we place ourselves inside the story. And there are times in the story where we find ourselves as the Pharisee, and there are times in the story where we find ourselves as as the sinful woman. And so let me read the entire text, and uh, this week we will only be looking at the uh, first portion of the text. Can you click it to the next slide there, Michael? Nope, there you go. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to the one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has also shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So there is a whole lot in this text. And uh, so I want to begin just by, and uh, we're only going to look at the first portion today begin by just answering some questions that if you look at at this text that might come out, and then we'll kind of move towards some application. The first thing we see that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus for dinner, and if you know anything about the Pharisees, you might wonder, like, why in the world did this Pharisee invite Jesus for dinner? Because most of the time you see that the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, and that's true. Uh, most of the Pharisees you meet in the Gospels had a very hard time with Jesus because Jesus was constantly challenging their rules and their kind of negative religion and how they are more interested in rules than actually loving and caring for people. And so a lot of the Pharisees, they wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him out of there. There was the odd Pharisee that you meet, actually, that was interested in Jesus and was curious about him and had open hearts. So we don't know if Simon the Pharisee was one or the other, um, but if he didn't like Jesus, he was still sort of required to invite Jesus over to his house. Uh, Jesus would go around and preach in various synagogues, and it was a, host, a culture of hospitality, and so it was kind of up to the local leaders to you, you know, invite the guest preacher over for lunch, whether you liked the sermon or not. And so Simon the Pharisee has Jesus over for a meal, and at this meal, uh, we see... It says that Jesus sat down. A lot of translations will say Jesus reclined, and that's probably, you know, more accurate. They didn't sit down. You know, sometimes we, can't even see it there. You can see it here. Um, uh, you, you picture, like, the, Leonardo's painting of uh, the, last, the Last Supper, where they're kind of sitting like we sit. That's not usually how they sat. Most of the time, they would actually recline. It would be you know, over with one hand, like on a couch or on some cushions, and they'd eat with this hand, and it would be like, you know, a few hours kind of affair to eat and uh, talk with each other. And so, most likely, because this was a more formal meal, um, they would be kind of more spread out, maybe like this, where, you know, Jesus' feet, and the the people's feet would be sticking out, so it would be very easy for this woman to come up behind and wash his feet, because sometimes people wonder, like, did this woman, like, climb underneath the table, or what was she doing washing Jesus' feet? No, it actually says in the text, she came up behind him. And so they would have been reclining in, in, in this kind of kind of uh, position. And, and so it says that this certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating there and she comes over, which brings up another question. I mean, if the Pharisees had a hard time with Jesus, well, they really had a hard time with, with sin, sinners. Sinners a special someone who is considered, you know, an immoral woman. And we don't know why she was considered an immoral woman. Maybe she was a prostitute. Maybe she just lived a messy life. life. Uh, We don't know. Uh, But Simon says she's a sinner, and she's there at this meal. How in the world did she get there? (laughs) Why would a Pharisee invite a woman into her home? Uh, As most scholars would say, that You know, most likely this meal was a meal out in the courtyard, not in their house. And when you invited the guest preacher over to have a meal after, you know, their services, their synagogue services, uh, it would actually be more of a public kind of event. You would have all the the special people at the table, the leaders, and of course, Jesus was invited into that. And then you have all these people just kind of listening in. They wouldn't be eating, but they'd be listening into the conversation. And so, so this woman somehow probably heard about Jesus, maybe had an encounter with Jesus previously, I mean, John says at the end of his gospel that there's tons that Jesus did that were obviously not written in the gospels. I mean, we have four little short stories. Jesus did, you know, thousands of other events that we don't know about. And so it could be that Jesus had an encounter with this woman beforehand. And, and, and she's just amazed. Like, I just need to hear more about Jesus. So she shows up at this meal. And it could be that she's thinking, you know, why didn't anybody wash his feet? This is a distinguished guest. And, and maybe this woman has been so impacted uh, by Jesus that this is the first time she feels that, that she has a chance in life, or the first time she feels that she could actually be forgiven, or the first time that she feels hope, and there's, there's something about Jesus' teaching that, that's grabbed her, and so she comes and she wants to hear, and she's watching these, all these men eat at the table, and, and he's, she's probably wondering, like, why didn't anybody wash his feet? Because if you invited a distinguished guest, you would provide a servant, or maybe someone else would wash their feet, or at least you would provide something for them to wash their feet, which suggests that maybe Simon, the Pharisee, wasn't all that interested in liking Jesus, kind of has to do the hospitable thing. And so maybe this woman sees Jesus eating there and is just like, this is ridiculous. Why isn't anybody honoring Jesus? And she she goes up. She doesn't have a basin. She doesn't have a cloth, so she uses the only thing she has, which is She has this alabaster jar, which maybe she kept around her neck, which was very, very expensive perfume, by the way. Uh, Most would say it was worth worth around a year's salary, which is a lot of money if you consider most people's year's salary. And uh, she doesn't have anything but her tears. And she's touching Jesus' feet and she's weeping. Why is she weeping? And I don't think that's hard for us to explain. I think every one of us it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, that if you were to hug Jesus, if you were to touch him, there would be something that would bring tears to your eyes. Touching the one who is full of life and, and who is love and just so filled with grace, it would bring tears to any of our eyes. And here there's this woman, maybe a prostitute is touching his feet and the only thing she has to dry and to wipe uh, his feet is her, is her hair. And so she uses her hair to wash his feet. And, and, and in, in a sense, this is scandalous. Because to let your hair down in in a public setting, in a more formal event like this, was was really suggestive that you were sexually available. And maybe this is just the way this woman, if she was an immoral woman, maybe a prostitute, is just how she generally lived. And and yet Jesus is allowing her to do this because Jesus sees something in her heart. I mean, again, to have your hair down as a woman in those days was not really an okay thing. And, And maybe... You've been reading through the Bible, and you know all of us have read through the Bible, or, or some of us are portions, maybe, and we all come across these passages sometimes we're like, "That is really weird." And maybe you've been reading through First uh, Corinthians eleven, and you come across this passage and you're like, "This is really weird, where it says, "A woman should wear a hair, uh, uh, wear a covering on her head, or verse thirteen it says Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? And the the answer suggested is no, she should wear a head head covering. Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And you read that and like, that's just weird. Um, Why is that? Why did they want to have women wear head coverings uh, in, in public settings? Why was it wrong for a man to have long hair? And the reason is, if you actually study ancient medical records, you find out why. And a lot of people forget that the Bible was actually written 2,000 years ago. It wasn't written in today's culture. And so sometimes there's things that we don't understand today because of our culture uh, that were because of things back in their culture. And this is one of them in this passage. That if you read ancient medical texts, um, and I'll try to make this as safe as possible, they believed that a woman's long hair was actually part of the baby-making process. Uh, they believed that, that hair had, had vacuum power for sperm, and so men shouldn't have long hair, they need short hair because they're not to vacuum sperm in, it's supposed to go out, so they shouldn't have long hair because hair has vacuum power. Women are to have long hair because it has vacuum power because they're to bring sperm into the uterus. And so uh, in some ways, women's long hair was actually considered part of their genitalia, if you will. And so just as it wasn't appropriate for a man to show up in, in church without anything on, uh, so too they wanted women to cover their hair, that's, that's why and now we know, because of modern science, that that's just not so, and so we don't, this is not for today, but, you know, sadly, there are still churches that will make women wear head coverings, uh, because they forget that the Bible was written in a different cultural context than ours. But anyways, again, so you just picture this, this woman washing Jesus' feet with, with all these, you know, very religious people around, and Jesus sees her heart. She's not doing this for any sexual reason, uh, but... But everywhere on the table, you know what they would be thinking, and exactly this is what it goes on to say. It says, when, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And so this Pharisee is thinking in his head, if Jesus really were a prophet, then prophets should know people's character because You know, prophets in the Old Testament knew people's character, and obviously Jesus doesn't know her character and doesn't know anything about her, so obviously he's not a prophet, therefore I can reject Jesus, is probably what he's thinking, and I can reject this woman because I know already that she's a sinner. Simon the Pharisee is completely filled with judgment. I mean, this whole scenario, he's looking with eyes of judgment. He's judging Jesus, and he's judging this woman, where uh, the woman is just doing this with a heart of love. And so Jesus is looking at the situation with a heart of love, not a heart of judgment. This woman is looking at the situation with a heart of love, and then there's Simon the Pharisee looking at this situation with judgment. And this is often the way Pharisees are kind of painted in the Bible. You know, you see, they seem to be very judgmental folks. And and the reason was that the word Pharisee actually comes from the word to be separate or distinct. And they believed that you had to perfectly carry out the 613 laws of the old testament but not only carry out the all the laws but they said you don't want to even come close to breaking those laws so they added lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of padding around those laws and so they ended up in this place where they were only concerned about rules and they forgot about actually loving people and caring for people and they became very judgmental and that's what happens to can happen to any of us When we get more concerned about our religious rules than we do people, or we get more concerned about right or wrong, who's in or out, or whatever it might be, than actually loving people. I mean, it's like like the story that maybe you've been around for years about the 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 couple that uh, moves into a house, and they look out their window and and there they see the neighbor doing laundry out on the on the line, and. um, and, uh, and, and the, the wife here at the new house looks out, and her new neighbor is like, you know, why is she hanging up dirty laundry? You know, someone needs to tell that woman how to wash clothes. And a couple days later, they're at their breakfast table again, looking out the window. And again, they see the neighbor hanging up laundry. And again, she's like, why is this woman hanging up dirty laundry? She needs to learn how to wash her clothes. And again, a few days later, she, they, she looks out the window again and sees... Is the neighbor hanging up dirty laundry, and she's like, "Okay, this is this is horrible. Someone's got to tell her how to clean the laundry." A few days later, again, sitting at the table, looking out, and she sees hanging up again dirty laundry. Or uh, this time, she's she's hanging up clean laundry, and uh, and she she's like, "Well, finally, the neighbor had to lear- learned how to wash her clothes." And you know, the husband kindly said, "Well, actually, I just washed the window." You know? <laughs> And that's the question that this text asks us. The question is, what window are we looking out of? Are we looking out of the window of judgment, like the Pharisee? Or are we looking out of the window of love, like Jesus? Even though that situation was very messy, and it seemed like it was even very inappropriate for that culture, Jesus just had love for her. Love for her in, in, in all the mess that was, was present there. And this text challenges us, to move towards seeing others through love rather than judgment. Because in the end, I mean, Jesus uh, lifts this woman up with honor. Now, there are a few reasons. We're going to talk about judgment just a little bit today as we finish up here. Uh, why we judge. A lot of reasons, but three common reasons are, we first, we don't know the person well. or Secondly, we can't identify with that person's belief system, values, or behavior. Or that person somehow threatens how we perceive ourselves. We judge others in order to feel better about ourselves. Uh, First of all, we often judge people we just don't know that well. Or we know kind of superficially. And the Bible tells us not to. I mean, uh, John 7 says, Stop judging by mere appearances. Or 1 Samuel 16, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we got to realize as Christians that our brains, like psychologically, just naturally want to make quick judgments on people. Because our brain is very, very interested in saving energy. It loves to save energy. And it takes a lot of energy to try to figure out a person, to really listen to their story or to to say, you know, why did they do that? And you know, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. It takes a lot of energy. Our brain would rather just say they're horrible or they're good. And it's got all this energy to use other places. And so very quickly when we see somebody, we will make judgments about them. Very quickly, when we see someone act in a certain way, we'll make a judgment about them. Very quickly, if someone looks different than us or is from a different religion or culture or background, we will make judgments on them because our brain wants to save all this energy. And as followers of Jesus, we must do everything we can to resist that. Because we realize when we judge by appearance, we're probably judging wrong. Only God knows the heart. And so uh, we just got to resist, I mean, I, mean, I mean, maybe someone, uh, you know, has someone today, you know, kind of tailgating me, and you know, it's very easy to get frustrating, and, and, and it's very easy to make a judgment, like, I mean, what a horrible person that is. That's what we got to resist. Because maybe, I mean, maybe they just found out that their, you know, daughter is in the hospital and, and about to die. I mean, I would tailgate in that situation. I mean, we need to think the best about people, I mean, the other problem with judging by appearances is sometimes we we make wrong judgments both ways. I mean, sometimes we may see somebody who, you know, it looks like they have everything together. You know, they look great in the community. They're very personable. They're amazing people. But, you know, at home, they're abusive and horrible and awful. Uh, We don't know people's heart. And so we need to be careful by judging by appearances. And, And this is what Simon the Pharisee does. He just judges Jesus quickly, and he judges this woman quickly, and totally writes them off when... He was actually so far from the Father's heart. And this is the problem with judging people. When we judge people, it tends to push us away from the Father's heart, and it leads us down a path that, that leads us away from love. And, and, and Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, that the only thing counts, that counts is our faith expressing itself through love. And again, every nook and cranny of the Bible, you see that, that we are to smell and taste of love, not, not of judgment. Secondly, we often judge because we cannot identify with that person's belief system, values, or behavior. We tend to like people who look just like us and resist people who are different than us. And you can just see what's going on in the States right now. I mean, you just see this playing out in, in, in some ways. Um, I, I mean, it is so important that you he- learn to hear people's story. I mean, if you want to judge someone, at least don't judge them until you really hear their story. I mean, you could take this woman in this story, and maybe even some of you might be, you know, hear the word prostitute, and you just write them off, you know, you know horrible person like that, but do we know her story? When you know someone's story, sometimes it changes everything. I mean, we don't know. Maybe uh, she, you know, maybe her husband left her, and she was left with four kids at home. And she did everything in her power to find, you know, work or something where she could feed her kids and, and she can't. And so she's like the only thing she can do to, 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 you know, to have her kids survive is to go sell her body. And she's not doing that because she wants to be sinful. She's doing that because she, she just wants to, to, to do something to have her kids survive. Because in those days, I mean, everybody was pretty much poor. Everybody lived day to day. And, and so if you were left with four kids, I mean, uh, I mean she's, maybe she's doing this out of, out of love. But she's stuck. Maybe she is maybe similar to the woman at the well, you know, divorced five times. Maybe it was because she couldn't have a baby. And in those days, you know, men were very much about having a male child. And, and, and if your wife couldn't, then you, know, you would just divorce them and go find someone else who maybe could have a child. And maybe she kept being divorced because she could never produce a male child for the, the males of the day. And, and so again, she's, she's stuck by herself and again is forced to sell her body. I mean, maybe she ran away from home because she was abused when she was young, and she finally meets this guy who says, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to, I'm going to be awesome to you, and then she, uh, he forces her to, to sell herself. I mean, we don't know, but when you know someone's story, it changes everything. And you see, Simon the Pharisee doesn't know this woman's story. But Jesus somehow has a revelation, because he later says that this, this woman has a hard life. She has had many sins. When you hear people's story, it changes things. You know, in the most crazy conflicts in this world, like crazy conflicts between like Israelis and Palestinians, you know what the only thing they found that kind of works? Is you take an Israeli, you take a Palestinian, you get them to sit in the same room, and you say, please share your story with each other. And when they hear each other's stories, something changes. It builds compassion. And this is why, again, we need to listen to people's stories. Because a lot of times, we are simply a makeup of all the things we've experienced and learned and been through. I mean, and so someone, if they grow up like in a Muslim home, they might look different than we do because they've had different experiences. I mean, we've got to be willing to hear people's stories. Because, again, we don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. And so again, Simon the Pharisee is not willing to listen to the story. He's looking through eyes of judgment where this uh, Jesus is looking through eyes of love. In Colossians 3, says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together together in perfect harmony now one last thing and that is that we often will judge people uh, because somehow that that person threatens how we perceive ourselves we judge others in order to feel better about ourselves and this is why it is so vital that we get our life from the father son and holy spirit if we get our life from any other place, and we do at times, uh, it, it just leads us towards being judgmental. The Pharisees, again, they got their life from being right. They got their right from following the rules. They got their, their life from, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay and I'm pleasing to God because I'm following all the rules. If you get your life like the Pharisees from being right and following all the rules, then you will judge anyone who doesn't. And if you think you have to earn your spot with God, you will make sure everybody else earns their spot too. And you'll make sure that anybody who's doing better than you, that you judge them to pull them down because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. And because you're getting your life from being right or you're getting your right from your rules or who's in or who's out or whatever it might be. I mean, if you get your life from your job or you get your life from money, then again, anybody who has a better job than you, anybody who has more money than you, you're going to feel bad about yourself, so you're going to try to pull them down. Well, you know, they just inherited money or whatever. You're going to judge them to pull them down. And anybody you're doing better than you're going to judge them to make yourself feel better. Well, look, I work so much harder. No wonder they're poor. Look, look I work, you know, and you just judge them because, I mean, you, you want to feel, because you're getting your life from, you know, somewhere other than Jesus. But I tell you, if you get your life from God and you get your life from the one who has more life than, than you could ever imagine, as, you know, as we've been talking about the last, the last few weeks, that, I mean, he, he is a waterfall of love. He is a waterfall of life. Far more life than we could find in any job or any career or any, you know, following the rules or proving to others that I I'm, I'm have it all together. I mean, he's a waterfall of love, and out of that fullness is, is where we get our life from, which completely sets us free from having to judge people. That means we might, we have, might have to discern things, because, you know, some people will mention, well, doesn't the Bible say we have to judge sometimes? Yeah, but the word judge in the Bible is not quite like our cultural word judge. It's far less. It's more like discern. Only God knows the heart. Uh, We don't have a place to be judging. We have a place that we may have to discern sometimes. I mean, if you're going down the alley and someone starts running at you with a knife, sure, you gotta make a quick discernment there and and head out or whatever it might be, but we are to be careful. And again, this is what this story reminds us of, that we would be careful about judging others. And uh, we put this up now and now, uh, now again here at the Junction, just to remind us where we get our life from. It says, I am deeply loved fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Christ. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. That all of our life comes from Him. And when you understand that and when you're drinking from that, it actually sets you free from having to judge people around you. It actually sets you free to actually just love on people (laughs) the way Jesus did. So Father, we want your heart. And I'll just invite the worship team up as we pray. Father, we want your heart in this. God, you know what is is easy for us to judge others. It's easy us to want uh, to make ourselves feel better or to want to deal with past shame that we have about something by, by judging other people around us. God, would you remind us today that you are the source of life that never dries up? And yeah, our jobs disappoint, money disappoints, relationships disappoint us at times. Trying to prove that we're right definitely disappoints us. Seeking after rules, God, disappoints us, but you don't. I thank you that you have forgiven us. And you have forgiven us much. God, I pray that you would help us to enter into the realization of the sinful woman more than the realization of Simon the Pharisee, that we are forgiven much so that we, in return, love much. So God, as we close this service, we again just give you our hearts. In Jesus' name.